Warning, this podcast contains graphic details of murder and other offenses. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Innocence Lost Kids That Kill. And this week's episode is actually from a small town in the area in which I currently live. It's not where I grew up, but it's where I spent my teenage years. Um... And this case really, um, I was 14 when it happened and I can, I can remember details of the case and I remember the trial and I remember the shock and awe of the case. So with that said, we're going to go right into this case and my sources for this week's episode are articles out of the York Daily Record, so that's YDR.com a article off of WGAL.com and a article on FoxNews.com. And this case took place in New Freedom, Pennsylvania on October 2nd, 1998. And it was fall, the leaves were changing and the weather was getting cooler. And with cooler weather and being back in school, sicknesses go around. So, 15-year-old Zach, who was born in 1983, ended up being home from school that day. He was homesick, um, and his brother, Greg, went to school, and he was 13 and born in 1985. And family photos show a normal brother relationship, and there was definitely love between the brothers until this day and what would cause Zach to snap still boggles people's minds and it really makes you wonder if that's really the reason or not. So with Zach being home from school sick, his brother was in school and would come home after the school day and while Zach was home, Greg's girlfriend reportedly called the house over and over again, which really irritated Zachary and he would continuously hang up on her. He just wanted to be left alone. He wasn't feeling good, supposedly. Um. But when little brother came home and asked, you know, what the deal was with the phone calls, it turned into an argument. And the argument would lead to Zach grabbing a pen knife and apparently a pair of gloves and started to stab his 13-year-old brother. And he stabbed him so many times that he was nearly decapitated in the assault. And it, it just goes to show the level of either anger or just people 
losing their minds. And again, you know, I'm not here to say what was exactly the cause of it, but it sounds like it was definitely an argument between the brothers. Now, this is how premeditated this was. Zach would go into the backyard and bury the knife and gloves in the backyard before calling police. And when he called the police, you can hear an audible distraught. I mean, he put on a really good show in the 911 call. And he claims that his brother was stabbed and he doesn't know what happened, but his brother was dead and it, it made no sense. Because personally, for that level of assault, it's definitely a intimate crime. And by intimate crime, I mean a family crime, a domestic. And when police arrived at the home, he appeared to be in an excited state with blood all over him. And he's yelling at the police that he needed to call his parents. And what he would say to the police next literally made me question what he was saying. Now, he would go on to say that because he was homesick, he didn't leave the door unlocked, but he left a key in the fucking door. Now, I don't for a second buy that he left the key in the door. Um, but his parents did. His parents believed him right up until years later. And I'll explain that. Um, in more detail when I get to it. So, based on what the cops seen at the scene, they really didn't believe Zach's story. And it didn't take long for them to decide, you know, okay, we're going to use Luminol and see where we get from there. And the Luminol lit up blue. So when luminol is put on blood or blood that's been cleaned up, it'll glow a blue color to show you where blood has been. So the luminol showed traces of blood all throughout the house and near the family jacuzzi. Now, there would be a trail of blood through the backyard to where Zach buried the knife and gloves. And based on that and based on evidence at the scene, the cops were real quick to say you know, there was no intruder. This was definitely 
something that Zach did. And Zach was immediately arrested in 1998. Now, it took five years. You heard that right. Five years for this to go to court. And when it did go to court, Zach refused to admit guilt. And he would still be found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison and maintained that he would, he had not done it. And, again, his family was behind him and saying that cops were trying to pin it on them. But, again, Zach would go on in 2018 to finally admit to what he did. And the reason it would be 2018 is because Zach's first-degree murder conviction that he received in 2003 was thrown out in 2018 to a law that went into effect in 2016 that would not allow youth offenders to spend their life in prison and his conviction was tossed in 2018 and he would plead guilty to a sentence of third degree murder which at that point he was given a new sentence in prison to 15 years and 230 days but no more than 40 years in prison Now, at this point, he had already been in prison for going on 20 years. And in May of 2019, 36-year-old Zach Whitman was released from prison. And I still don't agree with the whole juvenile offenders shouldn't be getting life At a certain age, I'm sorry, I don't care what science says about the frontal lobe of your brain. At some point, you know right from wrong. And this is just giving kids a way out of prison by saying, well, I was a juvenile offender. I didn't know what I was doing. No, no, I'm not buying it. But again, he was released from prison in 2019. And... His parents took him back in. Now, because of the murder, they did have to uproot and leave the community that they lived in in New Freedom because it wasn't just the family that was traumatized. It was the whole community. And that community hadn't seen anything like that ever. And... The community did, in fact, turn their backs on Zach because, again, it all looked and smelt really bad. And, again, just a lot of the um, evidence did, in fact, point to Zach getting into an argument with Greg And the argument ensuing into a verbal fight that at some point the argument got bad enough that the boys 
got into a physical scuffle and again zach stabbed him to death and zach again stabbed his brother over a hundred times and like i said he was nearly decapitated when police showed up and strangers usually i'm not going to say they don't ever but strangers usually do not stab that many times and leave a witness or somebody else in the home usually if you're breaking into somebody's house you're checking for everything you're checking every room so again zach's stories never made sense in the way that it probably should have so again the community would eventually turn their backs on the family for supporting him as well so the family prior to zach getting out of prison moved to lancaster and when zach was released he moved in with his family and again openly admitted to what he had done now all these years later you kind of wonder why he just couldn't be honest in the first place but i guess as a juvenile you're looking at a lifetime in prison for what you did because you were home on a sick day and your brother's girlfriend was antagonizing you by calling the house consistently and i for one can't seem to fathom why siblings fight like that now i do have four siblings so i do know the arguments between you know having what we call back in the old day a home phone and having to share that phone because there wasn't cell phones and it, it just seems like zach had been triggered by the girlfriend calling and the brother coming home and saying you know what the hell don't be an ass and that triggered enough that he would snap stab his brother bury the evidence but he didn't clean up too well and thank god for stupid criminals and not cleaning up well well at all because an intruder is not going to break into your into your house kill your brother and then bury the evidence in your yard so that didn't make any sense to me either but again neither here nor there but the conviction being thrown out based on new laws that don't allow juvenile offenders to spend life in prison i do not understand that I don't understand that they're old enough to commit the crime they're old enough to do the time now if you don't want to charge them with first-degree murder you want to go back and resentence that resentence it but I don't think he should have gotten out when he did is he changed I don't know I did try to look up what he's doing with his life right now and according to his lawyers he just wanted to get home and become a productive um, person in society whether or not he is a productive person in society I can't find out I can't find any information other than his release records and the articles that have been released since then and most of them just trigger around 
the third degree guilty plea that Zach fessed up to. So with that said, in 1998, I think most of us can agree that things were different in regards to, I guess, staying home when you're sick. And I guess if you're in a small community, you don't think twice about leaving a the keys in the door, but I still don't know if I buy that either. I think Zach was downstairs. He admitted to what he did, and that's that. Now, he gets a second chance at life. His brother doesn't. Do I think that's fair? Absolutely fucking not. I think that he should have served at least 25, 30 years. Granted, he couldn't have served more than 40, but hell, he could have served that whole 40, too. But the parole board seems something different. I don't know. But sibling rivalry and sibling arguments are always going to be a thing. As long as we have siblings, there's going to be arguments. And as long as our kids have siblings, there's going to be arguments. But... Christ, at the end of the day, you don't want to get a phone call while you're at work where one of your kids was home sick and your other kid came home and now you have one kid in jail and one kid in the morgue. I can't fathom for the Whitman family what that did to them. And I feel compelled to say that's probably why they stood behind the only son they had left because that's all they had left was him. And with that said, like I said, I can't find any information about what he's up to now, what his life looks like, if he's a productive citizen. Um, But these are the kind of murders that are happening more and more every day. And a lot of it, again, is a mental health problem that... By the time it's realized, 99.99% of the time, it's too late. And it usually ends up with somebody in a morgue and somebody in prison. So with that said, if you see something, say something. Talk to the parents, talk to the child, try to figure out what's going on. Because this doesn't just happen overnight. This kind of... Crime is perpetuated over time, and it could be bottled up, it could be school anxieties, it could be home anxieties, but if you see something doesn't feel right or just something doesn't look right to you, do something about it. Don't be the person that stands around and was like, and say later in life, man, people should have seen that coming. Yeah, because you probably did see it coming, you just didn't say anything. So, watch out for one another, because that really is what's wrong with the world right now, is we don't watch out for each other, and everything is internet, and this and that, and I personally want people to 
understand that mental health doesn't just come out of the blue. This doesn't just happen overnight. Look for the signs because, like I said, you can usually see the signs. And lend a hand if you think you see something. So, with that said, I am going to sign off of this case. I hope you have a great day, and I hope to see you again in two weeks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innocence Lost Kids Who Kill. I want to thank you for taking the time, again, out of your day to listen to my podcast. I do ask that you rate and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can find the podcast on Facebook at Innocence Lost Kids Who Kill. And I will add that to the show notes. Until next time, have a great day, and I will see you again in two weeks. Bye.